0: What do generational pain and shooting a porno have to do with horror? Find out tonight on T Watches a Scary Movie when we review Ty West's ex and Uma. This is T Watches a Scary Movie. Welcome, everybody, to another brand new edition of T Watches a Scary Movie. I, of course, am T, and we're talking scary movies. I appreciate everybody tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, new episodes go up every Wednesday night. The audio-only version goes up on your favorite podcasting platforms at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. That includes platforms like uh, Podbean, Spotify, Audible, all those places like that. Uh, definitely check us out there and of course the video version if you're watching us right now goes live on YouTube at 8 30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time that's youtube.com slash c slash Theron Reynolds scary movie also that link is over here Uh, you can see that right there if you want to go ahead and get subscribed so again you get alerts when the new episodes are going up now with all of that, make sure you're following me on social media as well, too. You can see my Instagram, see my Twitter over there as well. And, of course, most importantly, you can see the Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash T, Scary Movie. If you go to the Facebook group, that's where you can get into our watch parties that we're doing. We do watch parties every Wednesday night in our Discord channel. We do the show, then we usually watch a movie or two or some TV shows, depending on what week it is. As the format of the show has gotten better and better, Uh, Folks, now, I think I'm locked in until at least right now, like mid-August, to where um, we alternate. One week is going to be like classic films, so like films that... uh... out If you go to the Facebook group, you can also see the schedule of what we have coming up in our uh, collection as well. Too, for example, you already know tonight we're talking Ty West is X, and we're talking Uma. Next week, though, we are going to be talking Firestarter and stay alive. Yes, in preparation for us to take a look at uh, Choose or Die, the recent Netflix thriller that came out, as well as the remake of Firestarter with Zac Efron that's coming out in May as well, too. So we gotta set that up the right way. So that's what we got in store for y'all tonight and coming up here in the next week. But uh, it's been a fun week, y'all. I've really been leaning into my 365 Days of Horror. If you recall, I mentioned this on the show last week. Um, Elliot McGuire uh, wrote this book, or put this little tracker together, and I picked it up, $9.99 on uh, Amazon, and I've been able to track uh, all the new movies that I've been watching for the last nine days or so, and I've tried to make it just new stuff because I really, really want to up my count of new original horror. So that's what I'm trying to do. There's going to be some repeats in there, of course, some not new stuff that I'm going to hit, but uh, we're going to try our best with that, and y'all can definitely see Uh, and you know I got a good selection of stuff here going you know uh, you could see I got to watch X last week I got to watch uh, Reincarnation I watched uh, the Wormwood films these are some fantastic movies honestly that I've had the pleasure of watching I'm excited to keep it going Uh, last night day nine I actually just got done watching Master the new horror film on uh, Amazon Prime starring Regina Hall Uh, really really good movie uh, and we're going to talk about that. I think it's next month is when I have that on the schedule to talk about that. But this tracker for the 365 days of horror has just been so good because it forces me to make sure I'm watching new stuff and keeping track of all that as well too. I've been updating my letterbox with it as well. Uh, it's just been fun. And on Twitter, having these conversations with everybody about what kind of horror they're watching these days. And it turns out some of the ones I've been watching are definite big ones that people have been latching on to this year. So that's one you're going to want to pick up. You want to track your movies well, 365 days of horror. Do it. Take it as a challenge. Let's see if we can do a year of horror movies together. Uh, In other news, though, Jed Shepard, one of the co-writers of Host, one of the best horror films in the last 20 years, and one of the best horror films just in general, uh, recently revealed to us that he has a great pitch for a new entry in the Blair Witch uh, like franchise, and Lionsgate has announced that they are taking pitches on new entries in the Blair Witch franchise. So, Lionsgate, if by chance uh, you're watching this show, you know for the little chance of that that there is, hire Jed Shepard. He is the man to do this for you, uh, especially because he obviously is a huge, huge fan of the Blair Witch franchise. He has the blessing from the original filmmakers as well too, which he said he's consulted with and would bring in for this as well. It's a win-win situation. Think about it. The original Blair Witch film just printed money. That was an easy film to put out and just like go to the races with how much that movie is gonna make. Blair Witch 2 was a bit of a misstep, and then Blair Witch, which I really enjoyed, that's my favorite film in the series, not so much getting the critical acclaim that I'm sure everybody would have hoped it would, so this is your chance to kind of do something new and something different with it. Now, who knows where they're going to go with this story? (coughs) Funny enough, Paranormal Activity 4, next of Ken, that came out last October, Uh, In my review, I very much called it a, uh, it was very much a Blair Witch movie, honestly. Like, I thought it moved very uh, pointedly away from what had been set up and, like, a lot of Paranormal Activities movies and... They ended up uh, like kind of moving more towards what happens in like Blair Witch films, and I thought that was a really good idea because it made it very suspenseful in this last film. Um, like it was just fun to watch our characters run around and watch them slowly get killed one by one and everything. Um, just a really good movie. So I'm hoping that maybe that's where we're going with this. I don't know what Jed's pitch is for the new entry in Blair Witch. uh, And I kinda don't wanna know either because I trust the guy. He's made uh, some phenomenal things. His new project Ghost that's coming out hopefully this year. I'm excited for that as well too. Um, I just wanna be surprised. So here's hoping that uh, they hire Jed for this job and we get something good out of that. That would be truly, truly tremendous. Yeah, great, great conversation. I also talked about online recently drinking my uh, White Russian, by the way, Cutwater White Russian. It's absolutely phenomenal. These things are great. Uh, granted, you know, you spend like 15, 20 bucks for a pack of White Russians, but that's okay. They're still worth it. Um, anyway, I got into another conversation on Twitter recently talking about what film franchises and horror I thought had, had no good sequels at all. The first film is fantastic, but nothing else they did after that really uh, matched up to that and I threw out the suggestion of Jurassic Park. Yes, we've talked about this on this show before. Jurassic Park is absolutely a horror film, uh, but it's also a franchise to where the first movie is really the only good one in that grouping, in that pairing there. Um, I felt that obviously the first film's incredible, but as we went to The Lost World, Jurassic Park 3, Jurassic World, Jurassic World uh, uh, Fallen Kingdom, Uh, None of those films I really felt the same way and I don't mean that sense of wonder that I got from the first time that I saw Jurassic Park. I just mean that nothing was really captivating me. Nothing was really keeping me entertained the way that I felt in the first Jurassic Park. I mean, I, I knew I wasn't going to be scared by it. I had a lot of big hopes for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom that fell flat on its face. Uh, but ultimately, those movies just didn't really do that much for me compared to the original Jurassic Park. So I'm very curious. Y'all let me know in the comments, what's a horror franchise that you felt that there's only one good one? Like, whether it's the original film or one of the sequels, there's only one good movie in that bunch and all the rest of them, yeah, they're all crap. Let me know in the comments. Let's talk about that and see what other franchises you feel is only rocking one good movie. I have a feeling Paranormal Activity is probably going to be in there. Purge is probably going to be in there as well too. Uh, Yeah, this should be an easy one to go to. So with that, let's move into our reviews tonight. We got two great brand new 2022 films that we're looking at, and we're going to start with Uma. Now, Uma was written and directed by Iris K. Shem, and it was produced by Sam Raimi, which is really what caught a lot of the attention, and it starred uh, Sandra Oh and Fievel Stewart. It tells the story of this mother and daughter who live out in the—woods the, uh, the, the woods is not the the right way to describe it, but basically they live out in the countryside, and uh, Sandra Oh, you might know from Grey's Anatomy, plays Amanda. Is raising her daughter, Chris, played by will Stewart, out in the countryside, trying to stay away from basically like anything, anything big. Uh, there's a big insistence on no electricity. They don't live by that. They live by candlelight and lamplight. And they're not using anything mechanical uh, that has electronics in it or anything and we're led to believe that a lot of this is based on amanda's upbringing you know we start to get bits and pieces over the course of the movie to find out that amanda did not have the nicest childhood and that some of the terrors that she experienced as a kid might be coming to uh terrorize both her and her daughter now as well now What's very interesting is that this story tells a lot about generational pain and some of the things that, you know, we can have ancestors, not the right word, but we can have those, uh, those previous family members who are dealing with a lot of stuff and they pass that down and that creates a real sense of terror for everybody around them. And in this case, we find out that Amanda when she was uh, when she was younger, she was abused by her mother. Uh, her mother moved to the United States from Korea by herself, um, didn't wasn't able to speak the language, didn't really have any friends or anything. and therefore she was left to raise Sandra O's Amanda on her own. And that led to, you know what we could be sure is resentment and it also led to a lot of abuse as well too. And it poses a question of, you know, is this justified when you yourself are in a terrible situation? Because Amanda's mom, very much not in a situation that was uh, conducive to like her mental or emotional health in the least bit. And obviously, some of the abuse that Amanda went through is a direct result of uh, her mother's environment and everything that she had been dealing with. And now Amanda's fighting hard to not become her mother and pass that down onto her daughter, as she realizes her daughter Chris, who is uh, who's becoming 18, who is becoming of age starting to gather other interests you know she wants to go to college she wants to have friends she wants to go to school she wants to just try all of these things that she's kind of been sheltered for because she's literally grown up with her mother as her best friend and as Amanda points that out throughout the movie you know like you like needed the best friend so I was here you know you wanted to be homeschooled so I homeschooled you um, It's a very, very interesting tale of transference as well, too, because Amanda, who's holding a lot of these pains and fears that she encountered with her mom, is passing that down to Chris. And we we get to basically see as the movie keeps on, like, working its way through, you know... Is this a case to where Amanda's mom is ultimately trying to take control of all of her to keep her daughter there? That if Amanda's not strong enough to keep Chris at her side, then maybe Uma is strong enough to keep Chris there for Amanda's sake. And this forces Amanda to really deal head on with a lot of the demons that she's grown up about. Um, including even like I mentioned the electricity thing to where, you know, Amanda and Chris don't live with any electricity at all. And Amanda has stated it's cause she has a, uh, like she gets sick. Like it causes like severe illness. Like if you've ever seen better call Saul, um, Jimmy's brother, which his name, uh, eludes me at this moment. I had the same kind of thing to where like electronics just like absolutely screwed with uh, his head and made him sick same kind of thing but it turns out it's not a it's not a real thing really for amanda it's really more so trauma that's been passed down and instilled in her the reason why she can't be around these electronics now in terms of scares Uh, The scare, this movie really does rely on a lot of jump scares in it uh, just because it's not a traditional story like, you know, somebody's being possessed. We have to do an exorcism and all these things. It's not a story to where we're dealing with a large cast where a number of them are just getting killed or anything like that. Um, uh, Amanda and Chris are definitely being haunted and they're definitely being visited by the spirit of Amanda's mom, who we don't really know is the goal to keep Chris here is the goal to punish Amanda For what Uma went through without any help we don't really know that and can't really like say for certain which one of these like plot lines it's really following but that's kind of kind of the unfortunate part about this film is that there's some really great ideas in it and I love the idea of passing down this generational trauma and being forced to confront it being forced to deal with it but The execution could have been just a bit better with it honestly i like the jump scares that were in it but honestly um most of the scares of this film were really reliant upon that there wasn't really anything that i felt was coming naturally from the situation Uh, Which sucks, because I thought that the relationship between Amanda and Chris was done so, so well. Uh, Like, I thought that was kind of the, uh, obviously, the driving force of the movie is watching to see whether or not they can keep this great relationship they have. And they can overcome these problems, or whether, you know, Amanda's past is really going to break them apart. Now, uh, there are some other cast members in this as well, too. Dermo Mulroney you might know from my best friend's wedding or the gray uh shows up as uh, amanda and chris is pretty much like their only contact to the outside world uh he runs a shop which amanda and chris order supplies from regularly to support their business that they're running as well as his um oh lord i don't know if it's his daughter or his niece um uh, played by Odea Rush, who is one of the only people that uh, Chris, played by Five Stewart again, has been able to make friends with as well too. So the cast is very much contained, and I think that's very much on purpose, because again... The idea here is that when amanda was growing up her mother didn't have any friends and couldn't speak the language so i think that idea of not having a big cast and leaving amanda and chris isolated so we can see that amanda kind of lives the same life her mom did but she's doing it in a more positive way than what her mother did i like that parallel i like the way that they kind of offset that showing that uma amanda's mother uh, just wasn't able to handle it. and wasn't able to really do anything with her life whereas Amanda's trying to not repeat those same mistakes and the reason why she is repeating those mistakes now is because of uh, This haunting that her and Chris are dealing with so it's a short movie. It, it is an actual short movie It's really not that long at all um, only 83 minutes long and even uh, you know about 5 to 6 minutes of that is really just uh credits as well too. So it's not that long of a movie. We get through it fairly quickly and things move kind of fast as they ramp up with the visitings and hauntings as well too i think that this is one that you could definitely get like a few jump scares out of because like i said it really does rely on jump scares in the film but i also do enjoy the story um not so much scary but i do feel that the story being told about the relationship between amanda and chris and amanda and her own mother is very poignant it's very relevant it's very good as well so check it out Um, It's available to rent right now on most streaming platforms, including Voodoo uh, and Amazon Prime. Definitely one you want to take a look at, especially if you're a big Sandra Oh fan. I know after uh, Killing Eve, there's been a lot of controversy about the end of that. So if you want something that kind of goes a little bit on a better route, check out Uma. And our second film that we're going to be talking tonight is Ty West's X. Now, uh, since I've been talking about this film... I, I tried to call it Ty West is X every single time just because uh, I, I feel that if I just say X, it won't like won't register with a lot of y'all too well. And also kind of sucks because you can't really find it that easily without searching Ty West is X online, too. But I digress. Uh, Ty West is X tells the story about a cast and crew who gather to make a pornographic film on an elderly couple's rural texas property but end up finding themselves hunted by a killer um i remember seeing the first trailer for this and i think i got the same impression that a lot of people did is that there are a lot of parallels and a lot of similarities and a lot of callbacks to another popular franchise about a group of people who end up at the wrong home in Texas, Uh, of course, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And when you see this movie, it is gonna be hard to shake the fact that there are clear parallels and clear evoking of that franchise, but, This is probably as far from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, at least the original series, as could be. Because it's not a tale of cannibalism or wearing faces or anything like that. It's actually a very, very interesting tale about temptation and about uh, the things that we'll do to get the life that we want. Um... So our cast here is actually a, a pretty a pretty fun cast of characters that we've seen over the last 20 years in various things. Um, we have Mia Goff playing uh, a dual role here, playing both our protagonist and one of our antagonists who you might've seen before in a Nymphomaniac, or you might've seen in A Cure, uh, a cure for Wellness, or even Suspiria, uh, the remake of that that came out recently. Uh, you have Martin Henderson, who, oh, funny enough, we talk about Sandra Oh and Uma. Bina Henderson from uh, Grey's Anatomy or The Strangers Pray at Night. We have Jenna Ortega from Scream and Studio 666. We have Brittany Snow, who has been in a number of things, including Nip Tuck, Prom Night, uh, uh, Pitch Perfect. Like, she's been in a lot, a lot of stuff as well, too. Uh, we have Kid Cudi in this as well. Like, it's a great cast of characters in this film. And uh, when it's a bit of a slow buildup to it, which works really well because we know the entire time something really bad is about to happen. And I actually feel that coming into X, you might be better served not watching the trailer at all, just because it's good to speculate. I feel that again, I've already mentioned the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but it's easy to watch like the first like 20 to 30 minutes of this movie and you can't really get it out of your mind. Like, okay, when's leatherface showing up when are these people gonna start eating this cast of characters that have shown up when is somebody else showing up who's going to be committing all these murders and the movie flips it completely on its head about what this cast and crew of this movie really have to work out uh watch out for and i love it that it circumvented all my expectations because i didn't really know whether to expect that this film was going like a supernatural route Um, If this was just going to be a traditional slasher, if it was going to be something else. And the fact that it did become a slasher film is one of the absolute best moves that I feel Ty West could have made with this film. And I say that because he also wrote the movie as well. So clearly this was his intention behind it. But we really do get, uh, get, get a killer Who, like everyone always says, oh, it's going to be the next Jason or Michael or Freddie or anything like that. And you don't have to be the next one of those things. I think just being a very memorable killer is all you need to do. And it's a killer that we spend some time sympathizing with for sure, more so than we have in other films. Like in other films, like our classic Nightmare on Elm Streets and Halloween's and Friday 13th and all that stuff, it can be hard sometimes to really sympathize with that killer because it's like, okay, no matter with all that, you're like this big, big hulking beast that's like just putting these kids like down like it's nobody's business but there's still a problem with that you know like that's not that that's still not really okay that that's what we're doing and i like the fact that x definitely circumvents it by showing us a different kind of killer coming out after these people i also love the motivations of the killer as well too because i feel that You either get a killer who's very much out for revenge for some reason. Like Jason, like initially started out being out for revenge and then it became a whole thing. Like, don't, you know, step on my fucking lawn. Michael is just, Michael Myers is evil. Nothing to do with anything else. He's just evil. Depending on which timeline you're working with and everything. Uh, And Freddy's getting revenge as well too. Because all the parents of uh, Springwood, you know, killed him. And uh, he's getting that revenge there for it. Uh, so the motivation in this actually seemed a bit stronger compared to a lot of these other, uh, a lot of the, these other motivations I've seen from other various killers. Um, it's been a position to where it's uh, it's not the 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 uh, it's the opposite of gross. It is not uh, not going to warm your heart by any means. Now you will absolutely feel sympathetic, though. Like I said, for our killer, but. Their motivations are uh, very much still deranged and absolute batshit, and they only get worse and worse as the movie continues on. And it very much plays up the fact that our victims here are shooting a porn. Like I think that actually, it's very clear how much that plays into the motivations of our killer, because... We're getting to see and experience a lot of things that wouldn't be happening, you know, if somebody's car just broke down. But this is a case where these people are purposely shooting a a smut film, basically, and how are killers responding to that? And I love that motivation behind it because this is legitimately a case of, you know, if they hadn't been doing this, they actually might not have been killed at all. This might not have been a problem for them in the least bit and our characters our our cast of characters are absolutely phenomenal you know there's some poignant conversations between uh mia goff's maxine and jenna ortega's lorraine later on after they shot a few scenes about the way that sex works and you know how can you stand like having sex with somebody else and your guys right there and it actually gets a lot into conversations about alternative relationships which is interesting to me because i'm in an alternative relationship and Uh, We're seeing more and more I feel in the last couple of years especially those are portrayed more on television and on film than ways we've never seen before you know I think in the early 2000s late 90s like being gay was like this huge thing you had to do a reveal this character's gay on tv a gay kiss yada 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 and now that we're in 2022 it's like okay obviously that's the norm there really isn't a problem with the like a uh, gay relationship on tv that's fucking normal it is normal it's just as normal as a heterosexual one but then alternative relationships and in case you don't know what i mean open marriages ethical non-monogamy uh polyamory swingers all that kind of stuff and a lot of that is addressed here in X as well, and I really like that. Obviously, number one because that's the, you know a relationship that I'm in, but more so because I I want that to be more commonplace because it's not insane, and especially in horror films that have existed for you know a hundred years. And as they got more modernized around like the 60s and 70s, they started being um, uh, being uh, talking a lot about sex and a lot about promiscuity and things like that. And they were always villainized, you know, for just wanting to have sex back in the day to where now we're moving forward to where we're trying to show that there's other sides of that as well, too. I think that's such an interesting viewpoint and standpoint to bring in a movie like this. And it's the perfect movie. To highlight that as well, too. I really, really enjoyed scenes like that. And, you know, it's funny because, like, it's always be these random scenes that I pick out. Like, that's my favorite scene in the movie. Like, last night in Soho, the scene to where uh, 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 Thomason McKenzie's character Uh, She takes the guy back to her room, and the guy's just checking up on her, and he immediately stops when shit seems off there. Because, you know, it's the fucking new millennium at this point there, and we don't just, like, break consent. Like, we have to check consent. And I love the fact that we get to see other things like that here in a movie like X. Now, to the point of the kills, this is a scary film. Uh, Like, it takes a bit to get there, but the amount of foreshadowing for shit that's coming later on in the film is amazing. Including uh, a scene where one character is swimming in a lake, and we definitely see that there's a crocodile or an alligator there, kind of watching them. Very, very heavy foreshadowing, as well. Uh, but the killer, when the killer starts going after our victims, man, do they get brutalized and terrorized in this film, including uh, probably one of the worst stabbings. That I feel I have ever seen on film. And I've been watching a lot of horror movies y'all. And the stabbings. Like basically the kill that sets this film off. So if you've seen it you know what I'm talking about. But the first kill that sets this entire film off. Is the most brutalist in the entire film. It's mean. It's angry. It's bloody. It's visceral. It's gory as shit. Uh, it's so so good. And. Ty West, who, if you, uh, if you recognize that name, uh, you know, did, um, what's it called? Uh, A few other really good ones I know y'all have seen as well, too. Uh, The House of the Devil, The End Keepers, and then he also was in, like, Your Next. So he's been in some films to where, like, it's just been insane shit uh, that the characters are dealing with. And he does such a good job building tension and giving us, like, certain camera shots, because, like, I love, like, shots to where we can see our protagonists, but then we can kind of see, like, our antagonists in the back as well, too, like, just out of focus, and, like, you don't know where you're really supposed to be, like, paying attention to. I absolutely love that. I think that is so, so good, honestly. Um, And he's a great, great filmmaker. And... As the film keeps going on and on and things keep getting bloodier and more of our characters are getting their just desserts, depending on how you look at it, Um, he just builds this great story of our lead character, Maxine trying to do whatever it takes to survive this and just get the life that she has said is going to happen and that she deserves and that is a very important part because that ends up coming back around towards the end of the film in a very very big reveal which i thought was absolutely phenomenal too but it also serves the point that mia goff not only plays our lead character maxine but she also plays the antagonist as well too and i found that to be incredibly incredibly interesting um uh, 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 like a very interesting concept with this movie because she is terrifying as our antagonist but she's also incredibly inviting and warm and sweet and inquisitive as our protagonist Maxine if you're looking for something scary If you're looking for something bloody, this is absolutely the movie for you. Uh, If you're looking for a good story, this is absolutely the movie for you as well, too. And if you're looking for something that's going to make people uncomfortable while you watch it, they got you on this one as well, too. Check out X. Uh, Just like Uma, it's available right now to rent on most streaming platforms, including Voodoo and Amazon Prime Video. And that is going to do it for us, folks. I appreciate you tuning in for another brand new episode. Remember, be back here next week. I'm going to be talking Stay Alive, and I'm also going to be talking Firestarter. You don't want to miss that. Make sure you're coming right back here to check this out. But for now, I'm T. We've been talking scary movies. Stay scared.